Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, we started a new series at the beginning of this month entitled Overgrown Paths. And my whole goal with these messages is to look at some of those biblical principles that used to be so followed, those old paths, those godly principles and ways that were so ingrained into our culture and society that the majority of the people just naturally traveled on those paths. Um, I want us to rediscover the value of some of those old paths that led us to success and blessings as individuals, as churches, as communities, and even as a nation. Uh, there are many old paths that we have, uh, that, that have become, we've allowed to become overgrown with weeds and debris that they are hardly recognizable. Jeremiah 6.16 says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. How many have ever felt like they've been at a crossroads? A, a couple of you? Boy, man, you guys are just, you just must be living right. You never have a crossroads you come to? How many would say our nation is at a crossroads? You see that? When you come to a crossroads, stop. Stop at that crossroad and look around. And then ask for the old godly way. The old godly way. You know, I remember a song. It used to kind of annoy me. Um, the song was, was this. It was... Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. And I was like, man, I just want more and more and more, and God, come fresh on me in a new way, right? And we can get so focused on wanting the newness of, of all that God has for us that we forget about the old path. The old path is still a good path. We don't abandon the old path. when We, we can have both is what I'm saying. Song doesn't annoy me anymore like it used to, but it used to because I was young and I wasn't very smart. Now I'm old and I'm smarter. <laughs> Not smart yet, I'm just smarter. So it says, come to the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm always uh, looking for a chance to find rest for my soul. In this busy, crazy world, a little rest goes a long ways. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. We don't want to take that old godly way. We don't want to do that old thing. We don't want to do the way it used to be done. And there's merit in looking to the old godly path. So far, we've talked about the old path of work ethic, the old path of practicing a Sabbath or having a good rest ethic. Then we got into last week, uh, into corporal punishment. How many love corporal punishment, especially when it's administered on you? Okay. I didn't get too many phone calls this week, so it must have been okay. And the overgrown path I want to end this series with today is civic duty. Turn to your neighbor and say, civic duty. Turn to your other neighbor and say, what the heck is that? <laughs> All right. I want to let you know this isn't an easy subject. None of these have been. Because it's difficult to strike the balance between kingdom, being kingdom-focused while having to carry out our civic duties as we try and live peaceable, prosperous lives here in this world. And we are citizens of heaven and aliens of this world, right? 
How many know that? I mean, give me a good amen if you know that. All right. We are citizens of heaven and aliens in this world. And I say aliens because that's what the Apostle Peter called us. 1 Peter 2, 11. My beloved ones, I beg you, strangers and resident aliens as you are, to hold back from the fleshly desires that wage war against your true lives. Your true lives, what's really important, what's really going on. It's a good way to put it. Our true lives. 1 Peter 2.11 says this in the message, same verse. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. What a great verse. In fact, it's so great, I'm going to read it again in the message version. Friends, this world is not your home. It's not your home. So don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your... I think this verse is for America. Right? Because all we want is comfort. We just want to relax. We just want to have it easy, right? We work so hard so we can have ease, and we you know, end up wearing ourselves out trying to find it. It says, don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. So I'm going to say something that may be difficult for some of you to hear. No matter how hard we try to change the world, no matter how hard we try to affect the politics, the morality of the culture, the futures for our children, this old world and everything in it is going to burn. It will be melted with fervent heat. And one day it will be purified of all unrighteousness, all hate, all war, all unbelief, all shame, all disease, all the effects that have come on this world because of sin. And there's really no getting around this truth. As it burns in the purification fire of God, all the stuff burns with it. The stuff, our worldly accomplishments, material things, properties, and homes, our trophy rooms. Everything you can touch, it's going to be melted away. Only that which is eternal is going to remain. That's the truth of it. But that doesn't mean that we just hunker down and wait for the end. It doesn't mean that we cease putting forth the effort of preserving godliness within our culture. Civic responsibility should be felt by every believer. Not because of a desire to just make life better for, our, for ourselves and our families, although that's part of it, but to ensure that the freedoms we have been blessed with are preserved for the sake of reaching the world for Jesus. To ignore our responsibility and have the attitude of just let the world burn is an attitude that is easy to get, especially as we get closer and closer to the end, especially as we get tired of fighting the good fight of faith. But not one But not, not one of, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm getting uh, distracted, I guess, by, by some talking. That's not an attitude we should have, though, to let ourselves just get that attitude of let the world burn. Within our responsibilities as Christians lies a duty for us to be involved in the civic matters going on around us. we got to be involved in that. And these range from being law-abiding citizens, participating in elections as an active voter, attending school board and other publicly held meetings, being a part of campaigns, paying your taxes. Oh, that's a good one. 
running for publicly held offices, and generally just being a part of the solution to our social issues, and not just a complainer about all that's going around, it all, uh, around us. And church, the other side of this is, is that we should never take up our civic duty at the expense of our kingdom responsibility. Our civic duty needs to take a back seat to our kingdom responsibility. We are not merely Democrat or Republican or Evangelical or Pentecostal or Americans or Iowans or Indianolians. Is that a word? We are Christians. We are first and foremost followers of Christ. And here's some of the issue. While, while trying to fulfill our civic duty as responsible Christian people, it's easy to get sucked into the politics surrounding those duties. And politics is a dirty world. The breaking of verbal confidences and the dishonoring of agreements that are made, it, it's, it's the, the cheating, the lying, the stealing, the, the all in it for myself. The, the, it's dirty, as you well know. And it's been called a swamp. And many good-hearted Christians who set out to do the right thing have been engulfed in the swamp to the point where they have even become part of it. Again, when, you're, when your kingdom responsibility begins to take a back seat to your civic duty, it can be disastrous. And some may say they're one and the same, kingdom duty and, 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 uh, or kingdom responsibility and civic duty. And, and I don't deny that they overlap a bit in their obligations, but they're not the same. One is definitely more important than the other. One's going to last forever. But we must keep the main thing the main thing. We are Christians, children of the kingdom of God first. And maybe a great biblical comparison to who we are in reference to being citizens of this world or even citizens of this nation while we are to keep our focus as being children of the kingdom first. Maybe, maybe a good way to compare that and to look at that biblically speaking is to look at God's people when they were in exile. So the Israelites, God's chosen people, were dragged off by the Babylonians. They were taken from their physical homes. Families were separated. Belongings were destroyed. They became an entire people exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now we live in a free nation. Most of us have never lived, I, I think, it's probably safe to say almost everybody, there might be a few who have escaped communism or escaped some kind of, of governmental system that, that uh, oppressed and, and didn't give you the freedom that, uh, that, that we have here in America. So we don't quite understand this. We really can't wrap our mind around it fully what it would be like to not have freedom. And, and I, I, I can tell you that's true because there's a generation coming up that, that believes socialism and communism are, are, are okay things. Like there's like, like they're something that's never been tried before and we should try that because that would equal the playing field and everybody would, would be able to operate under the same rules and, and the same thing. And it sounds good on the surface, but it leads to disasters, as most of you older saints know, right? We might not fully understand what it means to be in exile. Jeremiah 29, four through eight is what, where Jeremiah prophesied to these Israelites that were in Babylonian exile. It says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those 
I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says this, while you're in exile, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Verse 7, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God's people were in exile, and he told them, while you're in exile, don't just hunker down and wait it out. As God's people, they were called to be productive, prosperous people. He said, build houses, plant gardens, Build families and do what you can to see peace and prosperity in the place where you live. If the place where you live prospers, so will you prosper. And I think that's very interesting. And, and, and as you, you keep reading this prophecy uh, to those in exile, you get to the verse, verse 11, which we all know so well, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And sometimes we pull that verse out and we put it on a plaque, we put it on a coffee mug, and, and we, we use it that way, and that's fine, and that's okay. But in the context of things, he's, he, that, that verse is for people who are in exile. It's for people who had everything taken from them. Everything they had built. And you can imagine, like, when they came in, the Babylonians, and they were, they were dragging them off, that there was war going on. You can imagine that people lost their loved ones. They lost their kids. They lost everything, all of their belongings, dragged off to another land. And some of you are already connecting the dots here, but let me be clear. As Christ's followers, we are like foreigners living in a land that is not our home. That should be our mindset. We are aliens. This, this world is not our home, as we've said. Our home is currently under construction. Jesus is preparing it, amen? We are like the exiles living here. But while we are here, we shouldn't merely try and exist. We shouldn't just hunker down and wait out the history of our future. While we are here, we should be productive, prosperous people that he has called us to be. We should be building building houses and businesses. We should be planting gardens and beautifying the landscape around us, pulling a few weeds as we go. We ought to build families and encourage our families to build families. We should be involved, civically speaking, in the processes that will bring us peace and prosperity in the places we live. If this city, if this country, if this state, if this nation is where you live, then we ought to do everything we can to make a difference and bring peace and prosperity to it, because if it prospers, then we prosper. I don't, I don't know, I've never preached on this before, but I think that's one whale of a message in Jeremiah to the church in America. For example, between 90 and 100 million people in the United States claim to be evangelical Christians. That's about 35%. If they all voted for the leaders that were the most biblical in their beliefs regarding their values and morality, then Bible-believing Christian evangelicals could single-handedly control the outcome of every election, local and nationally. And yeah, what about voter fraud? What about voter fraud? You know how many people voted 
And, and, and uh, do, do you remember how many people voted in our last president or our current president? How many votes did he get? Does anyone remember? About 80 million. Someone said too many. <laughs> but we're not, we're not here to do that today. But I just told you 90 to 100 million claim to be evangelical. Why do I bring up voting? Civic duty involves being involved. And at the very least, we can be involved by voting. I believe it's contrary to God's word to not vote. We are to work for peace and prosperity in the place where we live. We are to pray for that peace and prosperity. And if you can't even muster up enough energy to get your butt off the couch and vote, you better not whine about the condition of the nation. Of course, it doesn't stop with voting. God's people should obviously follow the laws of the land. They should be involved in the campaigns of godly candidates and should run for office themselves. God's people should go to meetings. They should be incredibly informed of what's happening and should give to Caesar what is Caesar's by paying their taxes that they're required to pay. And I know the other side of this. I know why this old Christian path of being civically involved has become overgrown. Past candidates, even Christian ones, have made promises and statements to get themselves elected, even promises and statements to the Christians, to the evangelicals, to get elected, and then they did a 180 once they got into office. So why get involved? It doesn't matter what I do. It does matter. And here's the deal. You are called to do what you do, right? That's your responsibility. If you're called to be involved, then get involved. And I believe every one of us is called to be involved, civically speaking. That's your responsibility. And if someone else takes advantage of that, someone else does something evil with that, that's on them. It doesn't give you a pass on your responsibility to keep doing what you're called to do. And why go to publicly held meetings? I mean, it's just a bunch of hot-headed people spewing their, their disdain for other people's opinions, right? And I'm not saying it's easy, but maybe you go to bring peace to the meeting. Maybe you are the one in the back corner interceding on behalf of those holding positions and praying for God's wisdom to be heard and followed. I'm, I'm a good marksman. That's actually what my name means, Barry. It means good marksman. So I'm going to shoot low for all of you here who are riding Shetland ponies. <laughs> it is the easiest thing in the world to find a whining Christian, a complaining believer, a disgruntled, murmuring child of God who has all the answers to what this country needs. Do you know what's hard to find? A believer who has the guts and the courage to stand on the front lines of the battlefield of political and civic responsibility by praying. Most of us Christians think prayer meetings are boring. If they didn't think that, those meetings would be, wouldn't be so poorly attended. But what if in those public meetings, be it school board, city council, or whatever, what if they were infiltrated by peace-loving, prosperity-caring believers in Christ who prayed silently but with fervency right in the middle of those meetings? 
What if 100 prayer warriors showed up? Wouldn't that be exciting? Not to disrupt, because we are told that we are to remain in submission to governing authorities, right? 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise for the ones who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you silence the ignorance of foolish people. Act as free people and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. See, we don't disrupt or physically or, physically or verbally be disruptive in a meeting like that in a public setting. We disrupt by being so full of the presence of God that the atmosphere of the room changes because we showed up. We are people of the presence, church. That's what we've been called. People of the presence of God. Wherever we go, we can change atmospheres. We can carry the presence of God with us wherever we go. When we stop being that Sunday morning, Wednesday night Christian, or that 50% of the Sundays I'll be in church kind of Christian, or the Christer who comes just Easter and Sunday, when we get serious about God and go to church, and not just go to church, but spend time with him every single day, in prayer, in the word, in praise and worship. I tell you what, I loved praise and worship this morning, and I could tell a lot of you were singing, and it was wonderful, but I don't need to be here to worship and praise my God. I can do it anywhere. I don't need a band to worship and praise my God. I can do it in my backyard. We're called to be Christians, people of his presence, so full of God that wherever we go, we take his presence with us. And I'm telling you, if God's presence is with you, you will change the room. You will change the atmosphere of the room. Things will be different because you showed up. Don't worry, I'm not mad. Just excited. We are disruptors in the sense that we are so full of the wisdom of God that no one can refute the logic we communicate in response to what's going on. Christians aren't called to react with their emotions and and get in the fight that way. We're called to be calm, cool, collected, full of God's wisdom and full of his presence. And you watch. People will follow that. That's what leaders do. And I can understand that the path of our civic duty as Christians to run for office has become overgrown. I mean, really, what you have to go through publicly if you want to hold office is ridiculous. Even some of you here today who have stepped out in faith and have run for office recently had to go through it. You talked to me about it. I, I mean, we're talking about like things like school board and things like, like recorder and things that you wouldn't normally think were a big deal. But you go through it. Nobody wants that. I get that. Nobody wants to be put in the firing lane. I understand that. But let me remind you all, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So when you prayerfully say yes to that which he's calling you to do, you can expect an equipping from him to handle it. You have to do your due diligence in preparing, but he will certainly equip you with ability, stamina, tough skin. Oh, Jesus, give me tough skin. Christians, we need tough skin. I I just got to say this. I have never seen 
in the church, so many easily offended people by everything. I was talking with one of our local uh, uh, funeral home directors recently, and he's like, it's like I can do nothing right. Everyone offended by everything. We need some tough skin, don't we? Get over ourselves a little bit, right? We need wisdom. He'll equip us with that. He'll equip you with whatever you need to do those things, even to run for public office and get yourself in that firing lane. What if there were so many born-again Christians running for office that those positions became super-saturated with people who possessed biblical values? You don't think that'd change the world? The world? And by the way, if there's a Christian individual who holds a public elected office, we ought to be praying for them. I thank God we have a sheriff who loves the Lord. He goes to church here. That, I mean, he could go to ch church somewhere else and love the Lord, but he, but he goes to church here and he loves the Lord. I'm thankful for that. It's not an easy position. I thank God we have some school board members in Indianola who love Jesus. We need to be praying for them. I thank God for our godly state representatives and all those who are born again that are, that are holding an office. We need to be praying for these guys and gals to handle the garbage that comes with the job. And of course, we need to pray for all of our leaders, even those we oppose in beliefs. They all need prayer. Now, now remember, as Christians, we have civic duties that we need to live out, but we must never lose our kingdom focus. This is Probably the greatest reason this path has become so overgrown. Christians lose their focus on, on the kingdom of God when they get too entrenched in their own civic, the, the success of, or in their civic duty and, and their own personal success of their agendas. They get entrenched in that. And they start to slip over in making their civic duty more important than their kingdom responsibility. We gotta be balanced, kingdom focused while we carry out our civic duties. And this goes to the motive for why we would be involved civically in the first place. Why do we obey the law of the land? It's our civic duty to be law-abiding citizens. Why do we do that? Because you lose your Christian voice in witnessing to others if you continually and willfully break the laws that keep our nation safe. A nation free of laws will become a nation that is not free. So by being a law-abiding citizen, we help in preserving our freedom. Freedom for what, for what purpose? Freedom to share Christ. America is the greatest nation that has ever existed. How many would say amen to that? Amen. And we're close to letting it slip through our fingers. But what makes us wonderful? I thought about this a long time this last week. What makes us wonderful? Is it that we're so wealthy? Is it that we have a lot of stuff? Is it that we have a large middle class? Is it that we're free and we have free elections? This country, because of its freedom, I want to tell you why it's wonderful. Because of this country's freedom, this nation has sent more missionaries with the gospel of Jesus Christ to more corners of the globe than any other nation by a long shot. I want to tell you the Assemblies of God, for instance. We started here in America. 95% of our churches are not in America. 
5% of the Assemblies of God churches, which is what, roughly 16, 15, 16,000? Is that right, Pastor Jared? Are you the AG uh, statistics guy? 15, 15 to 16,000 churches are in America, Assembly of God churches. You know how many are in Brazil? Three times that. We have sent missionaries everywhere with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we were able to do that because we were a free nation and we were a blessed nation and we had the finances and the means to do it. Why should we be free? Well, keep your kingdom focus first and your civic duty later. Uh, second, because we need to share the gospel with the world. Without freedom, we would not have been able and we won't be able to continue doing that. We need freedom to propagate the gospel more easily. If we lose our freedom, we're still called to share the gospel and we're still supposed to do it, but it's just going to be that much more difficult. Why should I pay my taxes? And I've already read the scripture to you about submitting to the authorities, but in Romans we're given the same message again. It says in Romans 13, 1 through 7, every person is to be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. I don't want any of that. Do you? Verse 3, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do you do what is good, and you will have praise from the same? For if a servant of God to you, for it is a servant of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it, it uh, does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a servant of God, an avenger, who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also because of the sake of conscience. This is a great little I mean, it's, it's only seven verses, but wow. Read this and, and, and meditate on it a while. Verse six, for because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Pay to all what is due them. Tax to whom taxes due. Custom to whom custom. Respect to whom respect. Honor to whom honor is due. Again, this will help us live peaceably and will allow us to build the kingdom. I mean, if you go to jail for tax evasion, you may be able to start a jail ministry. <laughs> but you will close the door on so many other opportunities. Why not submit? I mean, the Bible tells us to, right? And if you pick and choose which scripture you want to submit to and which ones you don't, then you've already set yourself up as God. It's all or nothing. It doesn't make it easy, but it doesn't change it. And one thing I will say in regard, regarding submission to governmental authority, at some point, that authority may try to force us to behave in a way that is absolutely contrary to the word of God. If you're ever put in a situation like that, an extreme position, to having to choose between God's word and man's law, if man's law is saying you have to do this and it's sin, then you must choose God's word. But remember, this is in reference to our authorities mandating us to sin against God. 
not just mandating us to do things we feel are unjust. It's a big difference. It can be a fine line, no doubt, but until it's black and white, we're called to submit to the authorities. Some of you don't like that, but that's the word of God, and that's how I see it. Acts 5.29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. There's a time to say that, and that's what I'm saying. But don't jump to that too quickly. Why should we vote or campaign or even run for office? Because as people who are called by God, called out of darkness into his glorious light, we should be ready to take that light, the light of truth, the light of the gospel into every kind of institution man has created, from the schoolhouse to the White House. John Maxwell said this, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. God's people are to be influencers. Why not develop, educate, and prepare yourself to be a leader? And you can write this down. With leadership comes position. Position flows out of leadership. Leadership does not flow out of position. You know this all too well by watching politicians. Just because they get a position doesn't make them a leader. But you become a leader, and you'll eventually have positions. To hold a public office where your Christian influence can be even greater than it is now, to have a position to affect the multitudes, what a wonderful thing to strive for. And again, kingdom-focused in our civic duties. That's the motivator. It should never be the other way around. You won't get sucked into the swamp and filth of politics if your true heart of hearts, if your motive is to influence for the cause of Christ. To walk in the balance of all this is, is obviously not easy at all. Especially in this climate of such division and anger in our culture. But remember, fellow alien... We are to bring the peace and the prosperity to whatever situation we find ourselves in. We are to get involved with where we live, even though we are just passing through this old world as foreigners. We have a civic duty because of our kingdom responsibility. Let's not let this path get any more overgrown than it already is. Let's not avoid those civic duties or responsibilities uh, just, because, just because of fear. We've got to listen to God and do what God calls us to do, amen? And for those of you who are uh, not registered to vote yet, you can do that here today, as you know, in the foyer. We also have applications for absentee ballots. This is just the beginning, just getting started. Some of you have maybe never voted. Malachi, I'm ashamed, man. You've never voted before. You turned 18 on Friday, but you've never voted before. I will hold your feet to the fire if you don't register today. Because your church just made it easy for you to carry out your civic duties, but keeping, and while reminding you that you have a kingdom responsibility first. Is any of this making sense to you? Yeah, I like this absentee ballot thing. It's nice. You can avoid the lines at the polling sites. And you know what? Who knows? There might be someone here today the Lord's been speaking to about running for office. I hope this message brings you some confirmation. 
But no matter who you are or what God is calling you to do, get involved and fulfill your civic duty because you have a kingdom responsibility. And let me wrap up this entire series by reading the verse that started these conversations about work, about Sabbath and rest, about corporal punishment, and about our civic duties as kingdom people. As kingdom people. Yeah, somebody's got something left. I don't know. Someone's talking awfully loud up there today. Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. She replied, no, that's not the road we want. I want to say something very strong today. Part of the reason we're in the heap of problem that we're in in this nation is because we've had that exact attitude of those Israelites who were exiled into Babylon and we've said, no, that's not the road we want. We don't want to do these things. We don't want to be involved. We've had everything taken from us. We just want to sit here and wait for you to deliver us in 70 years, which is when they delivered them, when God delivered them. No, we've got to stop, look around, and ask God to show us what we need to do. Let's walk in the old godly way, church. Let's be responsive to his word and not so reactive that we go from extreme to extreme. We've talked a lot about that in this series, the pendulum swinging one way or the other. Let's be balanced. And let's open up those old paths and walk in them so that we can be an example for the world to see. Do you trust the Lord? Nine of you, I think, said yes. I was counting. Out of a church of 400 here today or so, counting kids downstairs, you know, uh, nine of you trust Jesus. Do you trust the Lord? Oh, okay. Just got to ask you twice, I guess. If you trust the Lord, then why, why do you depend on your own ability so much? Step out into those old godly ways and walk them. Our wisdom is nothing compared to God's wisdom. Well, uh, that's not what science says, and that's not all, all these messages we've had. That's not what the psychologists say. Not dissing any science or psychologists. But what matters is what does the Word of God say? What's the old path? What's the path that He told us to take? The book's either our guide or it's not. It's our blueprint for life or it's not. Let's pray. And I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to walk out and I'm going to ask Pastor Jared to pray. And I'm going to tell you uh, this morning that you are in for a treat for the next four weeks because we're going to have a series on the kingdom of heaven. Come on up and grab the mic, Pastor, whenever you're ready. We're going to have a series on the kingdom of heaven that's going to be outstanding. And every one of those messages is going to be preached by our own great an awesome Pastor Jared. So, uh. <laughs> and, and I hope the clapping's not that you don't have to listen to me for the next four weeks, but I, I'm sure that's, that's it. But uh, we, are, we are so blessed to have such great staff. I'm blessed to have great staff pastors, and you're blessed to have them too, that can preach the Word of God and do such an amazing job.
And you know, as an associate pastor, you never get to preach a, a series, do you? No, one at a time. And sometimes he has to preach a message in the middle of my series. And I'm like, you have to preach my series. And he's like, uh, okay, you know, and he does it. So now he gets to preach his own, and I, it's way overdue, and I think it's awesome. So I'm going to take a sabbatical from preaching, not from working. I won't be in here. I'll be in the office for the next four weeks. I'm not leaving. I'm just uh, taking a little sabbatical. So is that all right with you? It must yeah. be, yeah. Well, you're going to be outstanding messages? What's that? They're going to be outstanding messages. The I heard you say that. Oh, you're exercising your faith today. I appreciate that, <laughs> Pastor Barry. God bless you guys. We'll <laughs> go when Pastor Jared's done praying there. Let's pray. Father God, thank you this morning for this series. Thank you, Lord, for this word. God, I pray that you would just lay down our hearts, Father, to make this world the absolute best we can. Lord, we know it's not our home, and we know it's not our ultimate place uh, but yet at the same time, Lord, you put us here to affect change. And so, God, with, by the power of your Holy Spirit and with your help, Lord, let us affect change any way and every way that we can. Lord, bless everybody as they leave from this place. Father, I pray that every place that they put their foot, uh, God, will be a place that your kingdom will reside. And every person they have conversation with will be planted seeds of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. And everybody said, amen. Have a great week this week. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.